Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Well, once again, we made it. Here we are on Friday. I hope it's been a good week for you and uh, that you're you're ready for a great hour here as today we're going to uh, look at a really key component to our faith here on The Inner Life. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. And do you ever go out to see many live shows at a theater? The live actors up there on the stage. It's an energetic atmosphere. And even if something goes wrong, they have to keep going, right? They, they follow that old motto of the show must go on. Well, the year before COVID hit, that's coming up on about three years ago now, that fall I took my son Elijah to see a touring performance of Hamilton, the Broadway musical about the life of Alexander Hamilton. This was a birthday present for Elijah. He had just turned 14. And for the two or three years prior to that, Elijah's older sisters had been listening to the soundtrack to Hamilton. It would play again and again and again in our house with all our daughters singing all the different parts. And Elijah, he, he also really got into it. He enjoyed it immensely. And he knew all of the songs, knew the story. He'd even bought himself a copy of the biography of Alexander Hamilton, the one that had inspired the show's creator, Lin-Manuel Miranda, to originally start writing the music for the show. And now, Elijah, he was able to finally see the performances of all these different characters and watch the music come to life up on the stage there. And if you've ever listened to the music of Hamilton, well, then you kind of know, similar to many other musicals, the first handful of songs, they're mainly introducing you to characters. Uh, of course, Alexander Hamilton himself, he's the first one. But then you meet Aaron Burr, uh, John Lawrence, the Marquis de Lafayette, and many others. And eventually, through another song, a few later in the beginning of the show, you're introduced to three of the daughters of Philip Schuyler, the Schuyler sisters. And the three sisters are Angelica. She's the oldest. Then there's Eliza. She ends up marrying Alexander Hamilton. And the third sister is Peggy. Now, Angelica, she becomes a prominent character in the play. And she ends up corresponding regularly, writing letters back and forth with Alexander. And, of course, with Eliza uh, being Alexander's wife, she's a main character as well. But then there's Peggy, and we don't really learn anything about her. She's just kind of there to round out the song and the trio of voices for this song that introduces uh, Angelica and Eliza. Uh, She's kind of forgotten because once you have Angelica and Eliza there, they're so prominent in the story, 
Peggy just kind of fades into the background. I think this kind of happens with three other persons that we know, the persons of the Holy Trinity. We have so much that we learn about regarding God the Father, especially in the Old Testament scriptures. And then, of course, in the New Testament, we have huge portions that are dedicated to telling about the birth, the life, the public ministry, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, the Son, the second person of the Trinity. But then we only have maybe a handful of references that Jesus makes about that third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, along with a few other places where St. Paul, he gives us a little more insight into the person or the actions that are of the Holy Spirit. And we see the whole, the work of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and in a, a few other places in the Acts of the Apostles, but we don't get to know the Holy Spirit in the same way as we do the Father and the Son, at least not in these vivid descriptions or in dialogue that we read in Scripture. So the Holy Spirit might seem kind of mysterious or abstract or nebulous for us, and sometimes it might be easy to overlook the Holy Spirit because we have so much information about the Father and the Son. Well, coming up this Sunday at Mass in the Gospel reading, we're going to hear Jesus talk about the coming of the Holy Spirit. So today on The Inner Life, we want to look at how we can get to know the Holy Spirit better and how we should understand the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in the, the broader life of the church itself. And joining us is our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life, Father Joseph Ilo is back with us once again. Father Ilo is a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, and he's the pastor at Star of the Sea Parish there in San Francisco. Father Ilo, welcome back to The Inner Life. Thank you, Josh. It's so good to be back with all of you across the country. Well, so the Holy Spirit, um, you know, I mean, right at the outset, as much as we can try and understand the Holy Spirit— there's always going to be a limit, you know, an, an infinite, omniscient, uh, omnipresent person of the triune God. Uh, we're never going to fully understand the Holy Spirit, but we're hoping that we get at least a glimpse into uh, what we can know. And the more that we know the Holy Spirit, the more that hopefully that will help us to reach out to the Holy Spirit, uh, maybe in a way that we haven't before. That's right. The Holy Spirit, you mentioned the word nebulous. It's the spirit is abstract and vague and nebulous. I think that's a good word from the word nubes or clouds. The Holy Spirit is like a cloud and we see clouds all over the Bible and even clouds in our own lives. And we often don't pay attention to them. In the Bible, for example, the cloud that led the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land and the cloud that overshadowed Moses on Mount Sinai, the cloud that came, the bright shining cloud that came to Our Lady of the Annunciation, the cloud that uh, came down from the voice from the cloud, this is my beloved son. But there are clouds in our lives as well, beautiful clouds. We don't often look up into the sky and see the clouds. It's, it's often beautiful to just study the clouds, but sometimes it's just dark and dreary clouds, and we can't see through them sometimes. And so the nebulous dimension of the Holy Spirit, it is very mysterious, but whether it's uh, bright, white, puffy clouds or clouds of darkness, uh, 
God works through all of these parts of our lives. And it's especially when things are dark or difficult in our lives, it seems very cloudy. It's a good idea to pray to the Holy Spirit at that point. What are you saying to me? What is God communicating to me in this cloudy time of my life? And so nebulous, yes, that to, to understand the Holy Spirit is to fearlessly and uh, docilely enter into that cloud, the cloud of God's presence, the great cloud mm-hmm. of unknowing as as what has been termed one time. Well, let's also, as we're trying to understand this nebulous being, this person that is uh, the the Holy Spirit, you know, we we have the Nicene Creed. That might be a good place to start where we pray it every Sunday. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. So maybe we can break that down a little. Um, the Holy Spirit, given that title, Lord, right at the beginning there, what should we understand from that? Giver of life is an interesting title that's used. In fact, when the when John Paul II wrote an encyclical on the Holy Spirit, he termed it that from the Nicene Creed, Dominus et vivificantum, Dominum et vivificantum, vivificantum, the one who gives life, the spirit of life. Now, uh, there are many titles to the Holy Spirit, and so maybe it's good to just go through some of them that are from Scripture and have developed over time through the Christian tradition. Uh, the most obvious is the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit from the Hebrew word ruah, meaning breath or air or wind, the Holy the Spirit blows where it wills, Jesus says in chapter 3 of John's Gospel. So the Holy Spirit is that which inspires us, gives us life and energy. The um, Spirit is like the soul. It, we can't see it, we can't feel it, but it animates us. It gives us vitality and energy and form. So the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is that which gives form and life and energy to the whole church and to each one of us individually. Jesus also calls the Holy Spirit the paraclete. In fact, these last three weeks of Eastertide, a lot of the Gospels, the Gospels for Daily Mass and Sunday Mass are from John chapter 14 and other parts of John's Gospel where he says, I will send you another advocate. Literally, in Greek, the word paraclete means he who is called to one side. In Latin, it's advocatus, so called to, advocatus, ad, called to one side. And here's the deal. All of us are on trial. Each of us has been criminally charged by a great accuser, uh, a prosecuting attorney whose name is Satan, and we need a very good defense lawyer. And so our Lord Jesus Christ is that advocate, that defense attorney. But he says, when I go back to the Father's side, I will send you a second or another paraclete or uh, advocate. And he will defend you. He will inspire you with what to say at your trial, how to speak the truth. We also say that the Holy Spirit is the consoler. Paracletus is often translated consoler because if you're a defendant on trial for a crime you did commit, all of us are guilty as charged, and being accused 
by a supernaturally intelligent prosecuting attorney, we need some serious consolation. And so I often think of the the, uh, the Holy Spirit as, as my defense attorney who tells me what to say and what not to say, who gives me hope and consolation as I'm being accused by, by the evil one. So those two right there, uh, giver of life, the spirit of life, and then the, uh, the paraclete or the, or the uh, advocate, I think are, the, for my money, the best descriptions, the best biblical descriptions of the Holy Spirit. But in the letters of Paul and Peter, there are other uh, titles, the spirit of the promise, the spirit of adoption, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of God. And Peter says, the spirit of glory. Glory meaning light, the bright cloud that comes down to us from heaven that shows us the way back to the Father. So those are some of the descriptions of the Holy Spirit. But after all, he is invisible, mysterious. He's uh, nebulous. So we can't really get our hands around it. The the other symbol that we see uh, representative in Scripture, especially at the baptism of Jesus, is the dove that descends upon Jesus, um, which also gives this symbol, this idea of peace, that the Holy Spirit is going to mm. bring, bring peace into the world. That's right. And dove, we think of a dove as a bringer of peace or a herald of reconciliation, the Bible actually says that something like a bird, something like maybe a dove, descended upon him. And so we shouldn't think, oh, it's just a dove, just a bird. But it's infinitely more mysterious than we can imagine. But it was manifest to the onlookers at Christ's baptism as a beautiful, peaceful bird and perhaps a dove. That's the consolation that the Holy Spirit gives us. But we have to pray for it. Our Lord was praying at his baptism, obviously. And in answer to that prayer, the Holy Spirit came down. So we need to pray early and often for the gifts of the Holy Spirit and for the Holy Spirit himself. When I was in seminary, every class, Father Benedict Rochelle uh, taught us, that class every other semester, and every class he would begin with a prayer to the Holy Spirit. When I was a chaplain at Thomas Aquinas College in Southern California, every class we began with a prayer to the Holy Spirit for wisdom, for understanding, and for consolation. So we must pray often for the whole. And now as we're approaching the novena, the, the, the church's primeval, the, the most essential novena of the church, which is between Ascension Thursday and Pentecost, we pray even more fervently this novena to the Holy Spirit. And that's the original That's the original novena with uh, the apostles, the Blessed Mother, all gathered there in the upper room. So it's that perfect time, if you don't know the, the prayer to the Holy Spirit, um, to incorporate that into your life every day, especially for those nine days leading up to Pentecost Sunday. Uh, Father... As as we're talking about this nebulous, this kind of ethereal idea of the Holy Spirit, uh, when we 
How do you think we should try and picture the Holy Spirit when we pray? You know, it's it's hard for us to leave things, I think, as humans, as corporeal beings, you know, made of matter. It's hard for us to just kind of leave things open-ended like that. What What's the right way to approach the Holy Spirit when we do pray, to meditate, you know, maybe on things like the tongues of fire that rest upon the apostles at Pentecost, um, when the original church is born? Mm. A fire is a, a very important image of the Holy Spirit, and so at Pentecost we clothe ourselves in red, the priest and the altar and the tabernacle. Uh, the, the dove, of course, the spirit of peace is a way to imagine, I think, also the bright cloud what in Hebrew was called the Shekinah, the cloud that took Moses into itself and on Mount Sinai. And you think he went up to speak with God the Father, but really it was the Holy Spirit. So all three persons of the Blessed Trinity were there, but but he was manifest. God manifests himself as a bright cloud. And so I, I often think um, at, the, at the Epiclesis in the Mass, for example, when I hold my hands over the offerings, praying, beseeching that the Holy Spirit would come down into them and transform them into the body and blood of Christ. I I just kind of imagine this bright, shimmering cloud descending from heaven in, onto the altar, into these gifts. Sometimes with the incense, the incense also. Incense is an important liturgical accoutrement because it helps us see with our own eyes imagine the clouds, the cloud of the Holy Spirit. And often in a high mass, when I'm at the Epiclesis, my hands are over the offerings and I'm seeing clouds of incense rising up and in a sense coming down the the spotlights and the floodlights of the sanctuary catch the smoke. And it's much easier for me to, to understand that there's so much more to this world. It's full of the Spirit of God. There's there's no part of creation that is not informed by the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, we can reject that Spirit or or ignore it, but it's always present. It's the air we breathe. It's and that's the Hebrew word for Spirit is is wind or breath. Our Lord says He breathed on them in the end of John's gospel, receive the Holy Spirit, just the air that we um, live in and and depend on is God's grace, his Holy Spirit. But it is hard to understand the Holy Spirit as a person. And so there are different ways of praying to the Holy Spirit that help us with that. We can get into that if you want. Well, and I I do want to get into that. I I think there's only one other thing um, that might be good to talk about here in, again, trying to have a better understanding of who the Holy Spirit is um, before we move into talking about praying to the Holy Spirit and the way the Holy Spirit works in us, you know, in our lives individually. Again, talking with Father Joseph Ilo today here on The Inner Life. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco and talking about the Holy Spirit. And maybe you have a question about the Holy Spirit and you'd like to call in our studio line is 888-914-9149. We'd also love to hear on what has helped you to have a better understanding 
of the Holy Spirit and the way that the Holy Spirit works in your life, leading you to pray, to love God. Again, the phone number, 888-914-9149. But, uh, Father, one other thing that might be good to talk about here, and this is, again, going back to the Nicene Creed, where it says the the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, it proceeds from the Father and the Son. And I remember years ago, this was actually before I had even come into the church, but I remember hearing this talk where Scott Hahn was describing the concept of the Trinity, and he said he was so struck by the fact that John Paul II, now St. John Paul II, uh, talked about the the Trinity, the triune God, not like a family, but very specifically calling it, you know, that the, the, the Trinity is a family. And this idea of proceeding from the Father and the Son, can you maybe kind of open that up for us a little bit? Mm-hmm. St. Paul says, I uh, bend my knee to the Father from whom all fatherhood in heaven on earth takes its name. And the same with the family. We think of family as mom, mom, dad, child, children. But the family is just a very um, imperfect and indistinct image of the essential community in the universe, which is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We say the Holy Spirit is a procession from the Father and the Son. So the Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Father, and the Holy Spirit proceeds or is issue, issues out of that love. He's the fruit of the love between Father and Son. In the same way that a child is the fruit of the love between Mother and Father. And so... We think it's it's important. The Trinity is replicated in all parts, all aspects of creation. But most perfectly, I think, as St. Augustine said, in the family, the father, mother, and the child. And that will help us to pray to the Holy Spirit and understand the Holy Spirit as the fruit of the love between the father and the son. So the children are no less a part of, of a family because they are not the generator or begetter of the of themselves and so the holy spirit is no less and in fact children are the, the, the focal point of the family and in that sense the holy spirit is the dynamic focal point of the holy trinity in, in one sense because he is the fruit of the love between father and son Again, talking with Father Joseph Ilo today about the Holy Spirit, looking ahead to this Sunday and the Gospel reading where Jesus will talk about sending the Holy Spirit. He says, I have told you this while I am with you. The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have told you. And maybe you have a question about the Holy Spirit or you'd like to share what has helped you to have a better understanding of the Holy Spirit in your own life. Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. You can also email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. And we'll continue our conversation and take some of your phone calls after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We receive over a million prayer requests every year, thanks in part to the Catholic Order of Foresters studio line, helping us stay connected to your intentions. Learn how our sponsor can support your family with life insurance at relevantradio.com slash Forrester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states.
Thanks for tuning in here to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, joined by our spiritual director for the hour, Father Joseph Ilo, a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, the pastor at Star of the Sea Parish there in San Francisco. And our studio line is 888-914-9149. As today we talk about the Holy Spirit and how has praying to the Holy Spirit changed your life? Or maybe how is relying on the Holy Spirit in your prayer time? How did that help you to pray, to enter into maybe a, a deeper sense of prayer? 888-914-9149 or innerlife at relevantradio.com is our email address. Uh, Father, before we go to the phones here, uh, you mentioned that word paraclete, advocate. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we'll talk about praying to the Holy Spirit, but I always think it's good to also talk about the fact that the Holy Spirit is the one who helps us in prayer. And I, I always like to go back to um, St. Paul's letter to the Romans, and this is in the eighth chapter where he writes and he says, in the same way the Spirit too comes to our aid, uh, to the aid of our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit intercedes with inexpressible groanings. And the idea of the Holy Spirit helping us in our prayers, not only that we can pray to the Holy Spirit, but even at those times, which is probably most of the time, where we don't know how to pray as we ought to, like St. Paul is saying, that the Holy Spirit, again, that paraclete, that advocate that comes alongside us and helps us, uh, not only in that defense idea that you were talking about in the first segment, but to help us so that we can enter more fully into the life of God himself. That's right. That's the positive dimension of the Holy Spirit. St. Paul says flat out, we don't know how to pray as we ought. Mother Teresa often said, it is hard to pray, especially if we do not know how. We must work at prayer. But who gives us that energy and that inspiration and that wisdom but the Holy Spirit? Paul also says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So if we try to pray without the Holy Spirit, then we don't pray. We, we cannot say Jesus is Lord. And so conversely, we have to constantly rely on, lean upon, call upon the Holy Spirit as we pray. That's why we begin each prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Asking for that help even as we enter into those times of prayer. Um, and that that's a good reminder for us then, too, because a lot of times I think the sign of the cross might be just kind of a throwaway thing. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. we, you know, we, we always do the sign of the cross. Yep, we're Catholic, but the fact of what are we actually saying there? Um, you know, we're identifying mm-hmm. with the fact that we believe in a three-person in one God, one nature God, and the fact that Christ died on the cross. There's so much richness there for us. Uh, Father, let's go to the phones. We've got a number of people calling in here to talk with you, and we've got Mike who has called in from Orlando, Florida. Mike, thanks for being on the show. Thank you very much for taking my call. Um, I just had a sort of, this is an interest for me, I guess, for a long time, but I've I've read a couple of scriptures. One's, I think, pretty familiar, and one may not be the other one, but talking about how we maybe develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I'm struck by Psalm 51. I think we're familiar with it from reading it Ash Wednesday. Uh, It's one of the readings with uh, King David sort of has his... um, 
confession of his sins that he had committed. And one of the verses that always struck me is that he, he pleads with, with uh, the Father, I think, please do not take the Holy Spirit away from me. And then the other scripture that I think, I don't know if it so much relates to it, but how we can maybe lose the Holy Spirit is how when Jesus was casting out demons, he was accused of casting out demons because he was a demon. And uh, he followed shortly thereafter saying, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. So I just wanted to see what uh, the Father would say about those two scriptures. Thanks, Mike. Those are two very important scriptures about the Holy Spirit, one from the Old Testament. Psalm 51 is the penitential psalm. And I just prayed it this morning at morning prayer. Every uh, Friday morning, we, we the priests and, and religious and lay people who pray the breviary pray that psalm. That's an interesting line. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Uh, David was in a pickle. He had sinned against the Lord. And he could have written this. It, it it seems like he wrote this after his sin uh, by committing adultery, raping a woman, and then killing her husband, Uriah the Hittite. And he knows that he has uh, made himself an enemy of God. And the only way that he can be restored to friendship with God and survive as king, uh, survive without being sent into uh, everlasting punishment, is to have this consoler, this advocate, this spirit. So we we pray this psalm every Friday in the breviary. It's prayed, I often assign it as a penance in confession because it just says so much. And it's written by, it's a heartfelt plea of, of King David in his terrible situation. So his only hope was the Holy Spirit. Take not your spirit from me, or I'm a, I'm a dead man. I'm, I'm doomed. So we should we should pray that often. In, in the words of David, um, we we've been given the Holy Spirit in baptism. Now take not away that spirit. Now how can we lose the Holy Spirit? That's where your second scripture comes in. It's actually Jesus says it in three different parts, three different gospels: Mark, Matthew, and Luke. And he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. Meaning, it's a refusal to accept the Holy Spirit. That is, if we don't want the Holy Spirit, he won't force himself on us. If we don't want mercy, if we refuse to repent and uh, concede our radical dependence upon God's grace, his love, then we don't receive it. And that's what hell is. So we've chosen hell if we, if we reject the Holy Spirit and reject, repent, uh, reject mercy. People think, well, what if I'm you know, un or, you know, unwittingly blaspheme against the Holy Spirit if I say something uh, in my sleep or something or I say something uh, without thinking? Well, that's not that sin. That sin is a deliberate refusal to receive God's grace and his mercy. But we have to keep praying that that never happened to us. God, preserve us from ever despairing. Really, the sin against the Holy Spirit is despair. That is losing hope. Despair literally means 
without esperanza, you know, without hope. So keep praying to the Holy Spirit to inspire you, to fill you with the breath of hope, of energy, of uh, confidence in God's love for you. Mike, thanks so much for the call. And uh, again, our phone number here, if you'd like to call in and speak with Father Joseph Ilo, 888-914-9149. As we're talking about the Holy Spirit, devotion to the Holy Spirit, understanding the Holy Spirit, but of course then also praying to the Holy Spirit. And how have you been able to grow closer to God through praying to the Holy Spirit. How has the Holy Spirit emboldened you in your faith so that you can take the love of God out to the world, to those that you meet day in and day out? 888-914-9149. Father, praying to the Holy Spirit, we talked about the the Holy Spirit helping us when we pray. Uh, Let's talk about praying to the Holy Spirit. There's that popular Come Holy Spirit prayer. That's the main one that I think of when I think of praying to the Holy Spirit. It's one, you mentioned that you pray it regularly, that it's something that, you know, even in seminary for classes, it would be a prayer that was prayed at the beginning of different classes that you'd have. It's a prayer that I pray at the beginning of every show here. And you know, this might also be good to talk about maybe in conjunction with the words that we hear from Jesus, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, and this is from the 14th chapter of St. John's Gospel that we'll hear coming up this Sunday at Mass, but he, Jesus says that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have told you. And you also made mention to another place where Jesus talks about you don't need to prepare what you're going to say You don't need to, you know, in that moment when you are on trial, when you have to stand before, uh, you know, the judge or you have to stand up for the faith and defend the church, the Holy Spirit will give you what you need to speak. So when we pray, come Holy Spirit, is, is that just us saying, I rely everything that I am going to be doing today in whatever this project or whatever, you know, that I have coming up, it all is reliant upon you? Yes. That, so, come Holy Spirit means I have no power, no hope, no grace without the Holy Spirit. That's, now, if you don't know that prayer, it's good to memorize it. As you said, Josh, you prayed before every show, inviting the Holy Spirit, beseeching the Holy Spirit to guide what you and your priest guests say and the people call in. So if, you, if you're listening to this and you don't know that prayer, then I recommend this to prepare for Pentecost 2022 that you memorize it. Here it is. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. And then the second part is actually, if I'm not mistaken, it's the um, opening prayer for the uh, Mass of Pentecost. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and rejoice in his consolations. To be truly wise is really one of an essential goal of our human lives on earth. To to understand God's perfect order and our place in it, to be 
truly wise is to be peaceful, joyful, to be to know our first principle and final end, where we came from, where we're going, and only the Holy Spirit can reveal that to us in every uh, day-to-day aspect of our lives. Lord, why did I miss that appointment because of this traffic jam? Why am I suffering from cancer? Why, why have my children turned against me? Why this, why that? The Holy Spirit can reveal God's perfect plan for us, God's perfect order, and our place in it. And so that's why the, we pray that prayer, and that's why the Lord sent the Holy Spirit. How terrible if we neglected this gift, if we never unwrapped it, because our Lord says, I will send you this gift after I leave. He said, stay in Jerusalem and pray for the promised gift from the Father. And so they're all there praying this novena, this first of the church's novenas in Jerusalem, and they have no idea what this gift is or what it will look like. And when it comes, there's a rushing wind, shakes the house, tongues of flame appear, and they receive the gift of tongues, of being able to communicate and hear what others are saying in, in all these languages, all these cultures. They're overwhelmed by this gift that has been given to them. Well, we have to unwrap that gift. We have to use that gift that has been given to us in our baptism and is continually poured into the church from heaven. So, so learn that prayer. And also, of course, you can find on the Internet any prayer book, but also the novena to the Holy Spirit begins on Ascension Thursday, this coming Thursday, and pray that prayer every day. You can sing this, the beautiful song, um, this, uh, Veni Sancti Spiritus. It said that um, St. Thomas Aquinas would sing that prayer. He would sing that song, the, the Gregorian chant, on his way to school in the morning, uh, praying for wisdom. He, he had a great love for the Holy Spirit, St. Thomas Aquinas. Well, uh, and all I'll also coming give, up, yeah. I'll give a, a little shameless plug here for the Relevant Radio app, because um, if you... Open up the relevant radio app on your mobile device. Uh, upper right-hand corner, you'll see a little button that says pray. And if you tap that and just go to basic prayers, you can find that come Holy Spirit prayer there. One of the other things that I think uh, you know might be just a, a good little tidbit of information on that come Holy Spirit prayer is one of the sections of it. Um, the second part in the opening half, send forth your spirit and they shall be created mm. and you shall renew the face of the earth. Kind of like with... Um, the Hail Mary prayer, that if somebody doesn't realize when they're praying that, the first half of that prayer is taken mm. from Scripture. Um, well, we also have this section right here that send forth your spirit and they shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth is really a direct quote from one of the Psalms, Psalm 104, uh, the mm. 30th verse. And it says exactly those words, send forth your spirit they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. It's more present tense um, rather than looking ahead to the future. But um, we have so much richness in the prayers that the church has given us that tie in and look back at the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, but then tie in what we have there that was concealed that is finally revealed in Christ through the New Covenant. And it's so beautiful just to have that richness that's brought out in these things that we might not even recognize, Father. Mm-hmm. Yes, but the Holy Spirit reveals to us the beauty of creation, the, the order of creation. And so that's, in a sense, how we are. Cre- we have been created through the Holy Spirit, 
and we are always, you say the psalm is the present tense, Psalm 103, so we are always being, we are sustained in our um, beautiful existence, our perfect existence that, you know, in God's will by the Holy Spirit. It's his breath. You know how um, a person, one of our, one of our uh, sacristans tragically uh, had a heart attack and went down and so what did we do? We, 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 um, well, the paramedics were there very quickly, but they just started getting air into him and, and getting him to breathe again. So that, that's how you do it. You, you have to, it, with no air, no life. And that's why I said that the Holy Spirit is the life giver. And so we pray for that gift of air, the gift of breath. Talking with Father Joseph Ilo today here on The Inner Life, and our phone number to call into the studio is 888-914-9149 as we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And Father, let's go back to the phones. Uh, we've got Don, who's calling in from Winchester, Virginia. Don, thanks for joining us here on the program today. Thanks for having me. My question is, can you physically feel the Holy Spirit? In other words... There have been many, many, many times I feel what I call the press of God. Um, mm-hmm. Two or three or four in the morning, I feel a press on my chest, which tells me that I need to get up and pray. Mm-hmm. Is that the Holy Spirit? Well, Don, thanks. That's a very good question. I, I Let's say it is. I, I don't know. But it, if, if uh, you're being inspired to get up and pray, I'd say that's a movement of the Holy Spirit. You you physically feel it, as you say. You asked if you can physically feel the Holy Spirit. Well, the answer is yes. You could you physically feel the Holy Spirit when you're anointed in confirmation. You can feel the oil on your forehead. But the sacraments are all physical experiences, and those are manifestations of the Holy Spirit. So in that sense, in another sense, any... Uh, Holy Spirit-inspired human act of kindness or support, uh, a hand on yours when you're uh, feeling low, low, or a kind word that you feel reverberating in your ears. All of these physical expressions. But I think your question really is, are there supernatural manifestations of the Holy Spirit? Well, all what I've been saying is natural manifestations as he, he communicates himself through the things of this world. And yes, of course, St. Philip Neri, for example, the founder of the Oratorians, had a ball of fire enter into his chest and in, into his heart one night when he was in the catacombs. And when he died, the um, autopsy revealed that his heart was three times enlarged because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's a very physical expression and feeling of the Holy Spirit. So certainly the Holy Spirit can be felt. And if you feel this um, pressure or you feel a warmth, then don't refuse the gift. You know, don't look the gift horse in the mouth, but say, thank you, God, for waking me up. Thank you for consoling me and, and laying your healing and warm touch upon me. Thanks so much for calling in, Don. And again, our phone number here to call in as we talk about the Holy Spirit today on The Inner Life, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. We need to take another short break here, but we're going to be back with more of your phone calls and more with Father Joseph Ilo in just a moment. This is Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. 
you're listening to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director for the hour today, Father Joseph Ilo, a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, pastor at Star of the Sea Parish there in San Francisco, talking about the Holy Spirit today. And uh, Father, let's go back to the phones. Uh, got a lot of people here calling in. Mary is joining us, calling in from Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Hi, Mary. You're on the air with Father Joseph Ilo. Hello. Uh, I really appreciate um, your program, and I'm learning a lot about Catholicism that I didn't know before, and I was raised Catholic. Um, the reason I'm calling is to ask about the, your thoughts about the Holy Spirit as the feminine in God. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a good question. And... Um... The first of all, there, there's three words for spirit. Uh, first, I mean, in the different languages, Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. In Hebrew, ruah, the breath, or, is, is actually feminine. And then in Greek, it's a, a neuter word, neuma. And in Latin, spiritus, it's masculine. So as with all of the names of God, there are masculine and feminine dimensions. In one sense, though, the spirit, the Holy Spirit could be seen as a more motherly, it's uh, the life giver. So the, the uh, sexual differenti- differentiation in the human species or, or on all animals is um, the life comes through the feminine, the, the woman. And in that sense, the life bearing, the, the Holy Spirit is like Our Lady or like the church. In another sense, though, the Holy Spirit is the spouse of Our Lady. That um, it has that masculine dimension of overshadowing her and bringing life into her or, or um, bringing the seed of God into her so that she could bring forth that life. All three persons of the Blessed Trinity, of course, are neither masculine or feminine. The sexual dif- differentiation among our species is um, an aspect of God. And so it, it's, we say Father because that's what our Lord said, and Jesus, the second person, was a man, was born as a male. But in, in many ways in the Old Testament, God the Father, or, or just God, Yahweh, is described as a mother, and our Lord himself said, how often would I like to gather you as a mother hen gathers her chicks? But I think more than the other two persons, you could look at, you could understand or see the, the uh, fruitful and life-giving aspects of the Holy Spirit as being uh, an inspiration for women, for the feminine dimension of the Church. Father, as you're giving this explanation, I mean, ultimately you're saying that God transcends merely a masculine or a feminine kind of uh, you know, ideal or or um, image, and I, I think that's also maybe a good point to talk about just for a moment, perhaps because it's 
so some of the ways that other religions have tried to understand God is they try and box God into what they think, well, this must be him so that I can try and fully comprehend and fully understand mm-hmm. God. But God is not able to be fully understood or comprehended. And so even the idea of, yes, we might see this aspect of God that is representative more maybe of a feminine nature or this as a, a masculine nature, that those are still, they're, they're just, they're going to always fall short of fully allowing us to understand and adequately describe God. We're never going to be able to do that. That's the wonder and the humility of of, of creation, and, and we are part of creation. So creatures can never know anything really, uh, well, we know about God because he has revealed himself both naturally and supernaturally through revelation. But what we know about God is infinitely less than what we don't know about him. So there's always, because he's infinite and we are finite, there's always more, infinitely more, to know about God and to love about God than we can comprehend. And that should be a bit of humility for us. Absolutely. But, yeah, so, but, but he does reveal himself and, Part of he reveals himself through nature, so God in the Bible is a rock. God is a staff. God is a, a mother. God is a father. God is a, a child. So all of these things help us to know and love God, but none of them comprehend the Godhead. Father, if there's, you know, I, I we're down to our last minute here, but if I want to try and dive in more to understanding and knowing and also learning how I can listen more for the Holy Spirit when it speaks to me, any recommendations on possible further reading or other resources? Well, the premier, the first thing is the Bible. That's the... And, Every yep. word of the Bible is inspired, that is directed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. The second thing is the divine liturgy, which we believe is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So to, to find a Mass that, to, that is reverent and prayerfully done and, and to enter into that. But I think a third thing is reading the lives of the saints. It's a neglected practice among Catholics now. It's so inspiring, fascinating to get so much joy and energy to read the lives of the saints because mm. these are people that allowed the Holy Spirit to work through them in eminent ways. So biographies, even Wikipedia articles, learn about the saints. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, Father Joseph Ilo, we are out of time. Uh, we've got about 15 seconds here. Could I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? May the blessing of Almighty God and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit be upon all of you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Always a delight to talk with you, Father. Uh, Look forward to having you back again sometime soon. Again, Father Joseph Ilo, a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, our spiritual director. If you joined us late, if you'd like to go back and listen to an earlier portion of the hour, you can find that. It'll be posted shortly at our website, relevantradio.com, or on the Relevant Radio app. And want to say thank you to Nick Sentovich and to Thomas Engesser for their help in producing the program. Stay tuned. We've got Mass coming up next here on Relevant Radio.